What's up, homies? Welcome back to the NBA Hoops at Lunch show here on the Outkick Bets podcast feed. I am the host, Jeff Clark, and it is Thursday, January 26th. There's a six-game slate in the NBA tonight, um, prominently featuring an NBA on TNT doubleheader between the New York Knicks visiting the Boston Celtics and the Dallas Mavericks heading to Phoenix to play the Suns. I actually have action in both games, so I'll be breaking those down here in a second. And I'm also tackling a player prop in one of the six games on the NBA card this Thursday. Uh, An absolute stinker of of a Wednesday for me. My week, or the final week in my January continues to go sideways at I'm now 3-7 and 1 this week. My podcast record is down to 23-23 and 1. And I'm pretty pissed off about it, truth be told, but I'm not letting it affect my handicapping. I'm obviously not um really changing my style or my volume of betting. I just hope to again fire out of the hole and anticipate my reads being better and or getting just being more fortunate, um, getting the ball to bounce my way more so as the season progresses. Um, but again, be that as it may, I, I had another stinker of a Wednesday. So I apologize for that if you if you followed me. Um, good shit if you faded me. You had another a third straight winning day. Uh, I, I hit a tie or a chop with the Orlando Magic hosting the Indiana Pacers. Um, the Magic beat the Pacers 126-120 on Wednesday. The Magic were up 17 after the first quarter. Um, they they played with their food, and, and they shouldn't. I guess they're a winning team, so you, or they're a young team, so you can make the argument they don't really even know how to win yet, which obviously makes sense. But they were clearly the better side in this game and should have cashed for us. Um, a late Markel Fultz missed free throw. Definitely, obviously hurt since it was a chop, but Orlando shot uh, better from the field, better from the three-point line. They grabbed more rebounds and threw more assists. So, uh, be that as it may, I have to look back at the box score, even though I already already did uh, obviously look at it, but I'm not really sure how Indiana covered, given that, again, Orlando shot better from everyone on the floor except, except for the foul line, but I don't think the, the free throw numbers were, were that crazy in favor of the Pacers. And they, they were better in the possession battle. So that one hurt um, because we would have went even for the day, which was which was much needed. Um, actually, it was I needed to have a winning day, honestly. Uh, the next game that I hit was the Oklahoma City Thunder, plus one and a half. I, I hit as in I bet. I, I actually lost this one as well. Atlanta won 137-132. It was a close game, um, but... I accept the results. Um, I, I don't. I can't say that Oklahoma City was was clearly the better side. It was a, a toss up matchup. I talked about this yesterday. Oklahoma City struggles as a small underdog to a small favorite. They were again a one and a half point underdog hosting the Atlanta Hawks. Um, Atlanta had seventeen more free throws, uh, thirty three to sixteen. That that turned out to be the difference in the game. Um, which sucks, you know. Um, Atlanta's 
or Oklahoma City is usually pretty good at manipulating officials or, or keeping their their opponents off the free throw line. So losing that way kind of hurt, um, especially given how much I hate Atlanta and the way that they play. But after watching the game and, and kind of just based on the box score, it's, again, I'm, I accept the results and I'll take the loss. The next game... Uh, that I bet was the Minnesota Timberwolves at the New Orleans Pelicans. I took the three with the Timberwolves. Um, I believe I got closing line value on this one. I didn't get closing line value on the Magic, and the Thunder closed at the number that I bet it. But the Timberwolves, I took them at plus three. They got down to two and a half. I actually kind of surprised by that. I thought the Timberwolves were going to get up to plus four once it was announced Ingram would play. Ingram did play. Like we said, he, he's still a little rusty. It was his first game back from an injury. He only scored 13 points on 4 of 18 shooting. Uh, I, to be honest, I have three TVs, and I didn't watch a second of this game. Minnesota won 11, 111 to 102. Um, the other games that I had on my TV were the ESPN primetime doubleheader. I'm a St. John's alum, so I had St. John's versus Creighton. St. John's got absolutely embarrassed in that game. And I also had a couple college basketball games that I was that I was watching. So I actually had more college basketball um, on my TVs than NBA, which is very rare for me. Um, but the last note in the Timberwolves-Pelicans game, um, Anthony Edwards is awesome. High usage, sure, but he, he had 48% of his shots, went 12-25 from the field, scored 37, grabbed six rebounds, threw five assists. Again, I'm high on Anthony Edwards, especially as the season progresses and, and after the All-Star break, I think we're going to see Anthony Edwards just continue to improve on his performances. So he carried us over the finish line for our lone Wednesday winner, Cash and the Timberwolves plus three. Next game. Um, the Minnesota or the Memphis Grizzlies visited the Golden State Warriors. We laid three with the the Warriors, um, and man, did this beat hurt! Golden State won one twenty two to one twenty. Um, they were down double digits in the fourth quarter, sure, but we know how how the Golden State Warriors and really the NBA just there. It's a game of rallies. It's a game of runs more so uh, nowadays because of the three-point shooting. And Golden State is a team that can go from down double digits to up double digits in, in a matter of minutes. And that was the 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 trend of, of this game as it was uh, closing out. But Steph Curry ended up getting ejected for throwing his mouthpiece with a minute and 14 seconds remaining with Golden State up 116 to 114 because Jordan Poole inexplicably chucked a 35-footer immediately after Golden State grabbed an offensive rebound as Steph Curry's clapping at him to tell him to give him the ball so they can reset the offense. Or maybe Steph Curry, the greatest three-point shooter ever, was going to chuck the 35-footer. Honestly, like Jordan Poole, Jordan Poole pisses me off. I think he's one of the worst contracts in the NBA. They they should have kept Gary Payton Jr. for one f- third of the money um, because to me they're an offensive factory um, and just getting players in the same offense and the same system and the same practices as Steph Curry and Clay Thompson is going to improve their offense. So I'm very. Very, very butthurt about Jordan Poole right now um, because Steph Curry and, and the Warriors were 
putting their their foot on the on the Memphis Grizzlies throats at the end of that game. It would have been a front door cover, you know, and a little lucky, but the Warriors I felt like were the right side and they were in the process of of rolling in that game. Uh, well, I guess he was Steph was thrown out with a minute and 14 seconds. So maybe rolling is too aggressive of a verb, of a verb but I think they would have cashed for my for our minus three bet. Whatever, uh, down to the final bet here, the Los Angeles Lakers. I took over LeBron James, 30 and a half points. Got it at minus 110, closed at minus 120, so we got closing line value. Um, but hand up, this was just a complete misread on my part. LeBron turned into a distributor. He only scored 20 points on 40% shooting. Had a, a lower usage rate because Anthony Davis made his return, and then Rui Hachimura made his Lakers debut. Um, to be honest, it's kind of embarrassing loss because I should have seen it coming. I got a little too caught up in the hype of LeBron James chasing Kareem Abdul-Jabbar's record and maybe his, um, I don't know, his excitement or his want to break that gar- the record at the Garden when the Lakers um, play the, the Knicks uh, this upcoming Tuesday. So misread on my part, a one, three and one was the Wednesday performance again, down to three, seven and one this week, 23, 23 and one this month. So we got some work to do. Um, but I have three bets, two in the primetime double header for NBA on TNT. And then one um, player prop, the first game Celtics hosting the Knicks at four thirty. um, Eastern Eastern Standard Time, excuse me. The the Celtics crushed the Knicks the first time around, one thirty three to one eighteen. It was November fifth, but these teams were at least the Knicks were much different. They were still um, figuring out life post the Jalen Brunson signing, trying to trying to see where everyone's roles were. Thibodeau was still figuring out the rotations, and both teams were actually in a back to back in that game. Boston's performed much better on back to backs. Um, since they're seven and one straight up and six and two against the spread, they actually lost their first back-to-back game um, the other day. I think it was against the Magic, actually. So they were undefeated as of earlier this week. Um, the Knicks are just three and four straight up, three three and one against the number on the back-to-back. So the back-to-back helped Boston and hurt New York, I think, especially with a Boston team that knew had an identity coming into the season and New York again was still trying to figure itself out with Jalen Brunson running, running the show there for, for the offense. Boston did win three of the four quarters, but they split the four factors. Uh, New York actually won in rebounding and, and free throw attempt rate. So um, actually New York is really good at, at getting to the free throw line and they attacked the glass, um, which are, other ways there are ways that I think will help the Knicks cash as an eight and a half point underdogs in this one. Um, again, we're, we are taking the Knicks here. I'm I'm laying or I'm taking the eight and a half. It's at minus one fifteen right now, so it's a little pricier, and it's you might want to wait a little longer because I think money is coming in on Boston um, and open at eight went up to eight and a half. So. Maybe it's sharp money. Maybe it's square money. I don't know. This is one of the few NBA regular season games that the public could really be in on. Um, In the first Boston Knicks meeting this season, 
Again, Jalen Brunson and and Jason Tatum played very well, but so did R.J. Barrett, Julius Randle, and 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 Jalen Brunson. Excuse me, Jalen Brown played well for the for the Celtics. Jalen Brunson played well for the Knicks. R.J. Barrett scored 27 points on 60% shooting. Julius Randle had 29 points on 53% shooting with nine rebounds. Jalen Brunson put up 22 points, added 10 assists. He shot 59% from the field and had zero turnovers. So they they pulled their weight. Um, the Knicks were missing Quentin Grimes and, and Mitchell Robinson for that game. Uh, Quentin Grimes has since been inserted in the offense of the starting five. Mitchell Robinson's actually out with an injury this game, but which is a big loss for for the Knicks. But Quentin Quentin Grimes is is a, is a legit rotation player for really any team, and both Grimes and backup combo guard Emmanuel quickly have really been given the Knicks good minutes here um, as the season progresses. And neither one of them, Grimes didn't even play in the first one, and, and quickly only played thirteen minutes and really was still figuring out his role in the Knicks offense after they after they acquired Jalen Brunson this offseason. Um the the Celtics are are still gonna be without Marcus Smart, who uh is the reigning defensive player of the year and um and, and in a lot of ways the heart and soul uh, of the Boston Celtics team. Um maybe not from a playing perspective, but from like a locker room perspective. Either way, I think the whole Marcus Smart and Mitchell Robinson injuries effectively cancel each other out, and um, I'm, I think the Knicks, frankly, keep it close in this one. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if Boston um, sort of pulled away at the end, um, so maybe you can make an argument that New York Knicks in the first half is a better look, but I think the Knicks keep it close, and I'll take the eight and a half. Uh, the next NBA on TNT doubleheader game, Mavericks at the Suns, tips off at 7 Eastern Standard Time. Uh, these teams are split 1-1 one one straight up, but Dallas did cover both games this season. It is a pros versus Joes game, according to the pregame.com, which takes into account the full consensus or all the sports books. Um, in fact, more than 60% of the bets placed are on the Mavericks, whereas 90% of the money is on the Suns. Typically, you want to follow the money when it's counter to the public because, you know, professional bettors put up a lot more bet, a lot bigger units than you or I. So if you see the bets, um, contrary to the, 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 the money, then again, you should usually be following the money and, and hopefully the money as as tip off gets closer the money actually goes towards the tickets right because at the end of the day like these sports books are you know they're building skyscrapers in the desert so to speak with with money not with tickets right so um and in my opinion it feels like phoenix is viewed as like a disappointment whereas dallas it's kind of where they should be, and Luka Doncic has been awesome. He's been carrying them, but, hey, they're not that good of a team, but Luka is awesome. Where They both have the same record. Phoenix has been a lot more injured than Dallas, and yet Phoenix has a better adjusted net rating, better SRS according to basketball reference, a better net rating, a better point-per-game differential. 
So I, I would actually argue that Phoenix has been the better team despite all their injuries and Dallas pretty much being at full strength. Dallas is really bad on the road, 7-16 and 16 against the number. Phoenix is 15-10 and 10 against the number. And if you remove last year's playoff series where Dallas upset the Suns, um, Chris Paul has usually performs really well against Luka Doncic, or maybe Luka just performs poorly against Chris Paul. But either way, Chris Paul's teams are 8-1 and one straight up versus Luka Doncic and the Mavs in the regular season throughout their careers. Um, Paul did play in Phoenix's 107-105 win earlier this year. Um, granted, he did play like shit, but Luka is averaging, um, is shooting just 40 Two percent from the field, twenty three percent from three versus Chris Paul. He's got a uh, a seven assist to four turnover ratio, which isn't very good. And it, it's only Chris Paul's third game back from an injury, but in the first two, I thought he looked good. And I think we're gonna get high level Chris Paul until the wheels fall off, so to speak. I know I, I expect him to most likely get injured again. You know, hopefully he doesn't, but. You know, he's an old small point guard who typically gets injured um, at the end of the season. And, and at some point in the season, he, he usually misses time. But in his first two games back, he's put up 18 points per game. He's on, on 52% shooting, 52% from three. He's averaging 11 assists, 5.5 rebounds, only two and a half turnovers. So it looks like prime CP3. Granted, it's only two games, but... I do think he he balls out until he's injured again, and I think he shows the shows up against Luca in this prime time game, um, especially because Dallas plays really subpar to actually they play bad pick and roll defense versus ball handlers. We've seen Chris Paul pick and roll the Dallas Mavericks to death with DeAndre Ayton, and that's definitely an option Phoenix can use in this game, and and frankly should because Chris Paul's perhaps the greatest pick-and-roll player ever. Um, Dallas's defense is pretty weak in the mid-range, and that's where Chris Paul and Phoenix like to operate, albeit mostly with Devin Booker, who's not going to be in this game. But Chris Paul likes to get to the mid-range. DeAndre Ayton hits a lot of, obviously, mid-range and close shots. So I think they have success against Dallas's really weak defense, which is taking a step back this year. Um, Also, Cameron Johnson returned to the lineup a few games ago, and you can't sleep on that guy's return. Um, he, he He's a, a, a quality stretch four, plays a little bit of defense, can finish in transition, hits threes, big body dude. Um, he actually leads Phoenix in adjusted on-off net rating at plus 16.5, as in the Phoenix Suns score 16 and a half points more per hundred possessions when Cameron Johnson is on the floor. Again, he really helps their floor spacing. Phoenix is deeper and role players do perform better at home typically. So I'm expecting uh, a, a solid game from Phoenix's bench in this prime time spot uh, against the team that they most likely hate. Okay. Now the final, so excuse me, um, I'm I'm taking the Phoenix Suns money line minus 120, adding that with not parlaying it, um, adding that with the the New York Knicks plus eight and a half on my bet slip, and then my final bet here on on Thursday, I'm going to a player prop in the Chicago Bulls at the Charlotte Hornets game, 
and I'm I'm also looking at the Chicago stretch for Patrick Williams. I'm gonna hit his over one and a half point or one and a half three pointers made. It's priced at minus one fifteen right now. Um, I really like how Patrick Williams has played this year. He sunk at least two three-pointers in nine of his 11 games this month. He went two of three from behind the arc in his first game versus Charlotte this season back in November. He's shooting 42% from three-point land this year. Um, And he doesn't have a lot of plays ran for him. He's mostly the odd man out in Chicago's offense. They have two dynamic one-on-one ISO scores and DeMar DeRozan and Zach Levine and Nikola Vucevic is a former all-star who gets plays ran for him rightfully so um quite often in 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 Chicago's offense on the other hand Williams does a lot of the dirty work you know he's tasked with defending the other team's best best wing he he's uh, expected to crash the glass space the floor just your typical three and D guy um but three and D guys are 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 very important to winning teams. Uh, granted, Chicago isn't a winning team, but if they're going to get there, Patrick Williams is going to have to play pretty well. Um, Charlotte's defense gives up the seventh highest volume of three point wide open three point attempts, whereas the uh, Chicago Bulls have a wide open, uh, an above average wide open three point attempt rate, and it's because Zach Levine and um, Zach Levine and DeMar DeRozan like to operate in the mid-range, so it collapses their opponent's perimeter defense, and it's going to leave Patrick Williams and Alex Caruso to shoot open threes, even Nikola Vucevic when he's um, out on the perimeter. So let's go with Patrick Williams to make more than one-and-a-half three-pointers versus the Charlotte Hornets as our third and final best bet for this Thursday NBA slate. Again, the other looks that I have on my card are the New York Knicks plus eight and a half at the Boston Celtics. And I'm uh, taking the Suns minus 120 on the money line. Hopefully this day breaks our losing streak. We've lost three straight again, seven, three, seven and one this week. So it's an embarrassment. I'm, I'm, I'm annoyed as hell by it, but I'm still grinding, still getting in, in, into the arena and, and handicapping these hoops. And hopefully it turns around. I, I'm confident it will. Uh, best of luck to you guys, whether you fade or follow me. And look out for the NFL Conference Championship breakdown between me and the homie Dan hitting the Outkick Bets podcast feed Thursday as well. That's your NBA show, Hoops at Lunch show. Peace out.